Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Unashamedly cricket. This is The Cricketer. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Cricketer Podcast with me, George DeBell. And my special guests, Jonathan Trott and Philip Brown. Um, so we join you again straight after the Ashes uh, has finished 2-2. And I think the thing I want to ask you both, first of all, coming to you first, Philip, for a change, does that feel like just about the fair result, 2-2? Do you know, it really does. Uh, because there was a great chance yesterday afternoon that it was going to finish possibly 3-1. Uh, and you thought, this isn't a 3-1 series. This is nothing like that. And, I mean, obviously we know that England were very uh, unfortunate in Manchester with the weather, but they didn't deserve to... And, and it's a weird thing about the retention of the Ashes, but 2-2, fair result. If anything, England were the better team. So is it fair? Maybe they should have... Maybe they should just get the urn and say, actually, we deserve this more than you. Pat Cummins, the poor bloke, had to smile for pictures yesterday with the urn for kind of Cricket Australia stuff. That was He felt found that really hard. He couldn't really smile much yesterday. Massive disappointment, isn't it? It's like conceding three goals in the last uh, minute of a game. I've heard a few... People say that they think it's a fair reflection. I think in the three tests, England were in all of them. Um, I'm going to have to pull you up on that, Trotty. There were five tests. Sorry, sorry. I'm saying the three tests that I think they should have won. Um, They were in those tests. Sorry. Every test match they were in. The three that they should have won, they were in um, comfortably. But also the two they lost, they were in as well. They were in every single game. They could have got close or, you know, won. Um, so that's why I think England, in three tests, they were ahead, um, especially in Manchester. And I think that's, you know, it should have been a 3-2 series. Unfortunately, the rains come in and the way that the Ashes is designed is that you have to win them back, which is quite right. So I don't think it is a fair reflection as such. 
I, I think England played the better cricket um, over the course of the five test matches. They were all very close results, to be fair, weren't they? I mean, there was a, what was it, three-wicket win. I mean, all the ones which you say yeah. um, England could have won, you could equally say that about the Australian. Australians what, perhaps yeah. could have won and, at, at Leeds, certainly. Maybe they yeah. should have done. And Philip's right, you know, on that yesterday afternoon, the final day, uh, there were times when it really looked uh, when Steve Smith yeah. Travis Head were together. They got it to within 120, I think, seven wickets in hand. And you, you start to think 3-1 would feel like an injustice. But, yeah, but um, that's what I'm trying to say, is that Edgbaston, England, could have won that. They could. Come to me. Exactly. That's, so that's what I'm trying to say. And then the one test match that did get rained out, England were way ahead. They were. Out of the whole... Out of the whole other four test matches that were really close. England were way ahead in the in in the the well the fourth test of the series, but the one that they were uh, comfortably, hopefully, going to win um, and played some fantastic cricket. Having looked at the the the, the sort of rain forecast or the the, the weather forecast um, and pushed that game all the way uh, to get to that position. But what an amazing! T- I mean, even the fifth test at the Oval, which we've just been at. We've all been there, haven't we, Trotty? I saw you fleeting. I saw you for about eight seconds. Did you call out to me? I turned around and you ran away. But that's yeah. most I've seen you in the last six years, I think. But that was really nice. I thought you looked really good. You looked really healthy so. in person, better than on yeah. What I was going to say, what about this test we've just had? That, you know, Australia fought back, they were 135 for no wicket, and suddenly they're favourites to win it. I mean, what an amazing series where a team can, you know, basically you have a great session and you're in front of the game again. It's been brilliant. But what I wanted to say was it wasn't, you know, obviously we had the rain at Manchester, but England could have won 5-0. They should have won that match at Edgebaston. They might have done gone really close at Lords if there wasn't the controversial run out. They won at Leeds. They were well ahead at Old Trafford. And they won yesterday. They could have. They weren't far away from winning five nil. Well, that's gonna that that is gonna be that's gonna prove controversial. In, in then, your how come you can say it was a fair result? Then? Yeah, you, you've sort of contradicted because, yourself. Because, it shows what because, an argumentative. Well, I'm going to say are, that really. because Australia could have won four nil. <laughs> well, they could have done. They could have done. Don't I, like I can win the lottery tomorrow easily. Well, what day is it? Do you enter the lottery, Jonathan? Do you enter? I I no, well, you it, can't. Because this is the thing. You have to enter it to win it. You have to be in it to win it. Okay. okay. Well, this, I think we've, we've given people a lot of insight into that. Um, did you um, notice the ball change uh, late on day four, Trotty? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, if I didn't you hear were... about that, yeah. Okay, I didn't so, see so... it happening. Okay, so so Usman uh, Kawaja took a cracking blow on the side of the head, a real nasty one, and I think a gouge was taken out of the ball. Um, the ball, I think, was about thirty-seven overs old at the time. So, fair enough, they replaced it. These things happen, and it does seem that England got a much much newer ball that behaved vastly differently. There's no way around it. It, it did, didn't it, Philip? It, it, it seemed, yeah. and no, admittedly uh, as well, it was the end of day. Four and day five had quite different weather, and that may also have been a factor. And England had the feet up for a few hours, all the rest of it. I do think it's fair to say that England got a wee bit lucky with the ball, though. 
but that's just one of those things, isn't it? It's it's like saying Australia got a wee bit lucky with the weather at Manchester. Uh, if if you were to read some of the Australian press this morning, you would think it was one of the great injustices of our time. But uh, I don't know. What, what what do you guys think, uh, Philip? First of all, it was just bad luck, wasn't it? Why why can't the MCC committee when they get together just let's take luck out of cricket, okay? We don't want any more of this. You know, you're lucky to get this ball. You know, you're you're unlucky that you got it. You can't, can you? It's stupid. I don't know. I didn't see the the balls, but surely the batsmen have a say. You know, they can. No, they don't. Bats. Okay, maybe the MCC committee should look at that. But, well, but, no, because no, the well, bowlers aren't meant to have a say either. It's meant to be the umpires. Okay. Well, an umpire, maybe when they're trained, they go, if you've got to change the ball, why don't you change it for one that's very similar? I mean, what? Well, that is what they're meant well, to do. Exactly. But are you saying, so if someone's brought a suitcase out of, of new, newish balls, I'm yeah. saying the third umpire. Why don't part of your job like you get you kind of bring out balls that are that age? I don't know how many they bring. It'd be interesting to know how many they bring to the ground to change. They probably don't have seventy, do they? I think they probably have a lot. Yeah, they. I think it. They have a. Tell it was a. It's a suitcase. It was it six or eight, and it's meant yeah. to be balls of the same age. And whether it's between thirty-five and forty overs or whatever. But but it's meant to be a similar age. That's right, isn't it, Trotty? This must have happened. So what to they you. do, what they do before the t- is the test matches. They give the team balls to use at practice to wear them in, basically. So what they do in those boxes, it's normally three three rows of uh, four rows of three balls in that box. They have sort of like ten overs, fifteen overs, twenty overs, thirty overs, and they mark them. They write a little mark actually on the ball how many overs they think it is at the beginning of the test match. So they agree on what the overs are for that ball. So they would have then gone and picked the ball um, with regards to how many overs were bowled. Was it 43 or 37? What, what did you 37, say? 37, I think. Yeah. So there was 43 left to the, to, to the Nui. Um, and and so that's just the luck. Because I've seen a picture. Because the one side, don't forget the one side looked rough. And yeah. then the other side we see so the other side of the ball that that photo's taken, it could be rough as well. And the side that we see could be shiny. The thing that had was shining the one side of it. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely it true that um, the, the photographs can... Um, you, you know what those snappers are like, Trotty? By the way, I'm jumping topics The thing I here. would say... Go on, go on. The other thing I'd say is that I don't think Australians should complain about the state of the ball, to be honest with you. Um, and, and, and with oh. regards to... Why, why, why would the, that be, Trotty? I mean, I you're, you're dead right. You're dead right. They, they, I they, think they're still complaining about the pitch that Jim Laker bowled on. So, um, <laughs> you know, so that's that's just one of those things. And it's, it's interesting though when when things are flipped around. The amount, we saw the pages of when the Johnny Bairstow and making you know various um, quotes and that sort of stuff about the whinging of the English players after Johnny Bairstow's dismissal. So um, this wasn't even in uh, you know the, the players' hands, if you like. No, um, you are right. The, they, they have incredibly short memories to want to be moaning about ball tampering or anything like that. Um, Trotty, I must just jump in subjects a little bit. I, I received an email in the last week or two that did make me laugh a little bit. And it was about ICC reprimands for dissent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I mean, it's fairly unusual that a coach gets done. 
Uh, I just I just thought I saw a little flash of the the Trotty who denies smashing their bat when they were out for 254 on debut for Warwickshire seconds. But it did make me laugh that you got done for descent, and not just descent, but descent during a rain break. Mm -hmm. Talk us through what happened there. <laughs> I don't know if we've got long enough. Um, the... Without getting yourself in more trouble. <laughs> so the first, I don't mind more uh, trouble for him. I don't the, mind. First, the, first OD, uh, the first T20, rather. It rained while we, uh, us, the Afghanistan side, were batting, and we then started straight away again. Whereas when it rained in the second T20, admittedly it did rain a bit more, the rain break, <laughs> they had about two inspections um, when the field was in exactly the same condition and there was dew. So I was trying to say to the umpires that this is in fact dew, not actually a wet outfield. Whereas when we bowled second, the wet outfit was just as wet. So there was it was up to interpretation, uh, George. Um, and I was trying to get my point across to the umpires and to the match referee quite uh, sternly. So you're still still passionate after all this time. It's a, it's a good thing. That passion's a good thing. Do I remember a game in roughly 2013 where Andy Flower was so keen to get the covers off that he was suggesting he might help do it? And I reckon Probably. it might have been at Leeds. Does that ring any bells to you, Philip? I'm trying to think of the game, no. I do remember Andy Flower uh, walking across a sight screen during a match in, uh, I think it's called the Windrush Ground in Barbados. You might know it, George. But, yeah, completely oblivious to the fact there's a game going on and Andy Flower, the coach, walked across the sight screen. Happens. Yeah, it? it does. It does happen. Um, Philip, you'd have seen a lot of uh, the players at close quarters this series, you know, on, on the side of the pitch as you are and all sorts of things. It felt to me as if, um, while physically everyone was exhausted, it felt uh, more that Australia were clinging on a bit towards the end. Is that a, a fair observation? Yeah, I think, I think it is. I uh, may be going off to... I introduced a lucky scone to the uh, oh, Lord. the boundary, and it's unbelievable. But from that moment, England played brilliantly, and Australia didn't play as well. In uh, yeah. anyway. and we can make fun of the lucky scone, but at the time, it was two nil, and England were heading for three nil down, and. As we know, it's too all. But anyway, let's not go on about. I mean, it could it could be the introduction of the scone, or or it could have been the introduction of Chris Wokes. I, I don't know. It, one of them, one of oh, them had goodness. a huge. Was the scone player of the series, Trotty, or was it Wokes? <laughs> no one, no one really knows about. Well, uh, this is. Exclusive for you. Mark Wood had a bit of an impact as well. Even he might have been more useful than the clotted cream that you're talking well, about. No, it wasn't. It was scone and jam. There was no cream, but there was oh. a little little thing. Anyway, let's gloss over that. I think there were. Mm. I mean, Pat Cummins looked exhausted most days, didn't he? Sometimes, I mean, he he looked fantastic that when he first bowled at the Oval, he looked like an absolute match winner for a bit, but. You can't play six tests. I don't think you can play six test matches in two months. No, it's it's far too much. And it's actually, I think it's probably dangerous for the players. I mean, uh, Wokesy, it turns out, was playing with a with a quad tear. 
Uh, Moen played on with a groin problem. Stokes, we know, has got this knee thing that requires rest. Uh, it's an awful schedule, isn't it, Trotty? It's actually a schedule that potentially threatens the longevity of players. It's something that's actually a bit irresponsible of the administrators to be forcing them to play. It's an interesting one, George, in that I bumped into Matthew Mott at the Oval and asked him how long when are you guys starting it? And they got another month off the ODI side, but straight away some of those players are going to go into the hundreds and then straight away go into um you know the ODIs. The, the ODIs. And mm. you know the side is, you know, so so um the England side is so strong they could almost have two sides. So they're obviously going to be clamoring for positions and obviously a World Cup at the end of the year. But he was saying they've been off since February. So that just shows, you know, some players um ODI schedules and, and how much test cricket there has been. Um, obviously the test match against Ireland and the five five against Australia and now backed up by some ODIs against um uh, New Zealand. So it's never ending because a lot of these players want to play in their hundred side as well. Um and it's interesting to see what Ben Stokes does do with his knee and if there's any um, confirmation on if he's going to get it sorted out, if he's going to try, try to maintain it, if he's going to play in the World Cup. So um, a lot up in the air for the players. He's not. He's not going to play the World Cup. He has. He just about he? confirmed that. Yeah, oh, and he. I, 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 he said he would look at surgery, sort mm. of. But I, I'm not positive there's a surgical solution. So it looks like maybe four or five months rest, and uh, the hope that that will have alleviated. The problem before they go to India but one thing he did show again and I know that we've talked about this a little bit but he batted at three and he batted mm. really well I mean I don't yeah. think when we talked about it before you've ever said he couldn't do it and no one's ever said mm -hmm. he couldn't do it it was more that no. you said and he said that he felt that his best role was at six but I mm. do wonder you know if you go to India and you're probably going to want to pack the side with spinning all-rounders it just gives you a few more options if you can get him higher up the order, doesn't it? For sure. It depends who those spinners are as well. And if they can bat straight away, the names uh, Will Jackson, Liam Dawson come to mind. And they can all bat. Um, obviously, Leach will come in back to it and hopefully his back is going to be um, fine. Um, so those would be my three spinners that are off the top of my head. An off spinner, um, a left arm, and two left arm orthodox spinners. Whether uh, there's any scope for anyone else, I don't know. Anyone is bowling that well at counter cricket, so hopefully well, someone does. I think there's a possibility that Carson will be in the shakeup from Sussex, okay. and cool. obviously Rian Ahmed, who, who's been in the mm. squad this series mm. or this summer, certainly mm. um, he hasn't taken very many wickets this summer, to be fair, but uh, did did terrifically well in Pakistan. So I think there's a fair chance he he might be there. And of course, he can bat. Yeah, which sure. um, which is a huge advantage, but you wouldn't want any of those guys that you just mentioned going in top five, really. Uh, so which yeah, means so that it could it could be a suitable sort of forces for courses where England look to be really proactive early on when the ball's probably at its best against spin, and the ball's getting on a little bit. So depending on the wickets, depending on the the the, 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 the venues, obviously, which have been released, not not necessarily notorious Test match venues. So the, the types of pitches and conditions the England side get is going to be really interesting to watch. Right. We should take a break. And when we come back, it's terribly exciting, isn't it, Trotty? Um, we've got Philip's quiz, which we're definitely not going to be negative about in any way. This is The Cricketer. 
The summer issue of the Cricketer magazine continues its coverage of this amazing Ashes summer. Barney Roney asks, is Chris Wokes the greatest all-rounder to play tests for England in England? David Gower likes baseball but says England's risk-taking needs to be reined in at times. Vic Mark says everything is working against English spinners and George DeBell and Simon Wilde debate the hundred. That's in the summer issue of the Cricketer magazine, out now on the newsstand and at www.thecricketer.com slash subscribe. You're listening to a new podcast from The Cricketer. Welcome back. This is The Cricketer podcast with me, George DeBell, Philip Brown and Jonathan Trott. And um, listen, we can avoid it no longer. It's the bit where Philip takes over the show and does a quiz. I think he's got a special helper this week. Yeah, he not? If I get well, if I can't read all the numbers, I will require assistance. Right, be on red alert, Emily. Maybe. Right. So remember last week when we had the Ashes batting averages quiz? Do you remember? I've tried to actually to forget that because I think I had a shocker, didn't I? <laughs> Even more so than normal. But yes, yes, I do, Philip. I remember yeah. it. I remember it well. So it's a cherished memory. In this week where we should be, and I'm hoping that we're going to talk about Stuart Broad in this mm. half of the show, as you call it. I'm we hoping are. to do that. I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to talk about Ashes in the last 25 years, because I know you don't go do all the history stuff, bowling averages in the last 25 years. And you, I thought you'll both be fairly expert at that. So who would like to to tell me a name of someone who's got a fantastic average, bowling average, in the Ashes? Harris. Harris, right. And he is on the list. Where, where, Emily, come in and help me. Where's the name Harris? And we should happened? say that Emily here is, is Philip's daughter. Uh, Ryan Harris comes in at number five. And how many wins? Nice. 57. Yeah, so well done. Well done, Trotty. Give us a name of someone on the list of... of uh, ben McGrath. Ben McGrath. Number seven. Number seven. 157 workers. Well done. You both had a great start. Give us another name, George. Well, I guess I've got to say Shane Warne, haven't I? I mean, he was quite good at cricket, wasn't he? Number 11. You've been telling me a lot of your friends listening, don't they? Well, loved, and they love the quiz, don't they? Yeah, they love the quiz. They love the quiz. <laughs> right. Okay, another name, Trotty. Stuart it's Broad. like it's like she's visiting you in a care home, just saying kind things in your last moments. Stuart Broad, he is on the list. Do you know what number he is? Have a guess what number he is. Batting at uh, bowling average. Bowling average thirty. Okay. okay. Wow. Do you know who's higher than him? Could I? Could is it my guy, Graham Swan? I didn't see his name. I don't think his name's on it. Higher than higher than Stuart Broad is someone called. What were the letters again? I, J, J L, T. Yeah. Jonathan Trot, you've got a better one wicket bowling average than Stuart Broad. So give yourself a pat on the back. Thank you. Okay. Who, who did you get, Trotty? I got uh, Brad Haddon. I think they're trying to declare <laughs> Nathan Lyon. Mm, good. He's, uh, he was somewhere quite low. I didn't even write him. I think he's between 30 and 40. So you haven't uh, got many up the top, have you? I'd like to hear some in the some in the top four. Come on. Okay, I'll 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 have, I'll have a guess. Actually, someone that'll pop in. They might not have loads of wickets, but they've yeah. got a great average. Chris Tremlett. Oh, it's good. Good, but 
15th. Oh, okay. With 21 wickets. Come on, George, you can do... Come on. Well, I'm thinking the... I mean... Uh, uh, I, got, Mitchell... I got one. I got Mitchell one. Mitchell Johnson? Boland. Oh, my Lord, Scott Boland's... Oh, oh, how many do you want? So, do well, you want... he said Scott Boland. I, I, I didn't okay. say that. Okay, Mitchell Johnson. 19. Scott Boland is second. Who said Scott Boland? Because Trotty did. Well done. Well done. That's good. Do you know who's... I think we're coming to them. We don't want to do the whole 50, but that's quite interesting. Jimmy's 50th. Yeah? James Anderson to you. Yeah, we, we know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Fourth, Scott Borthwick. Third, the forgotten man, one of the loveliest men in cricket. I want to see him back. Joffre Archer. No, you can chat, of course. Scott Bolden, we know, second. Please, Emily, reveal the top of the pile. James Faulkner. Wow. He played one test. Six wickets. Okay. And thanks for participating. Well done, everyone. Thank you, Emily, for assisting. <laughs> that was actually quite interesting. Fair play, Philip. Emily's idea, really. Was it? Well, good for, good for Emily. Um. Let's, let us talk about Stuart Broad. That was uh, a, a wonderful way to finish. He he became the first man in history to finish his uh, test career by hitting the six with the bat and taking a wicket with his last ball, which is pretty incredible. So he, de he definitely went out on top, taking the winning wicket as well. Uh, Trotty, how do you think he's going to be remembered? I presume you play. Yeah, of course you did. Uh, you, that 2009 test, which was your debut, mm -hmm. was actually also a bit of a breakthrough game for him. Uh, I think he talks about it as his first uh, bowling performance in a big series that changed the game. W what will you remember about him? Oh, loads. Um, obviously, that test match, 2009, and it's interesting to hear him say that he thought he was not sure whether he was going to play that test match. And then it went on to get five. And I remember standing at cover and getting my first catch with, um, you know, Michael Clark. And and, that, and then it just hit you how important it was, but also how difficult it was to get wickets at Test Match cricket because of in the second innings of the, on a very difficult pitch, the way Hussey and Ponting played. And so those sort of memories. So Stuart's obviously the first, you know, his, the way that he bowled in that first Test Match was amazing. Um and but the one the way that I remember him, and I always say this to anybody who asks me, is the way that he bounces back from adversity or tough times. His resilience is something I've always admired. Um, and I think if anybody had to model themselves on you know on that side or wanted that side of the cricket, Stuart Broad is probably the best person to look at with regards to that. He's always works a way out. He's always. Even at this age, he was trying to find a delivery that would work for a few of the Australian batsmen, and they mm. seem to do that. Even at that age, even that amount of wickets, he's still trying to learn. So that side of the game, um, there's no better person to to look at or try and model yourself on. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, it, his, his enthusiasm is just wonderful. Um, there's been a few times when I thought, you know, he might be coming to the end, and there's been a few mm. times he's dropped, going way back to yeah. 2012 in India, I think. Yeah. But he, he he loves it so much that he's yeah. reinvented himself himself in his thirties at a time when other bowlers are thinking, you know, this is mm. this is becoming really hard work. And I know that um, there have been times when you know, he, he, yeah, it must have been really difficult. But he he's come back. He lost a wee bit of pace, didn't he? But yet he came back as a sort of pitch it up, aim at the stumps bowler. 
Uh, he refound his ability to swing the ball. He learned the wobble seam. He became excellent to left-handers. All these things, which were quite a long way from the initial talent which had him picked, which was basically being tall, getting lots of bounce, uh, having good mm. pace. So that that hunger and love for the game has been the thing that's driven him on throughout, hasn't it? I think so. And if you look at all the bowlers that have played over 100 test matches, they all end up doing that. You look at the likes of Pollock. I was, I was looking at the list today. Pollock, who played, I think, 108. He came in and he was a tearaway. Again, fast bounce. Hit you on the head at will. And then towards the end, reinvented himself. And you even saw Mark Boucher standing up to him at a certain time. I don't think... I think Johnny stood up to... I think Johnny was standing up to the stumps to most bowlers. Was it recently? Was it this test match? Early on in this test match? Yeah, um, he has done it a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the types of things. So you have to be able to adapt. I think that's the one thing in cricket and the brilliant thing is being able to adapt and evolve. And I think that's what Stuart's done. I think if you're going to have that amount of time playing the game, you can't do it one dimension. You've got to be able to do it differently on different conditions on different days, um, which he does. And that's what the great players do. And that's what he is. Uh, one of your best test innings, I thought, actually, um, at Lords for Pakistan, mm. was played with him. Yeah. Um, f- firstly, tell us your recollections of that and how well he played then. And, uh, and maybe a little bit, I don't know, what went wrong as a batter? Because I think his batting average fell by 15 or something from a high point. Mm. Well, I, th- I think you just... You just get to a stage where the game, you obviously went into and batted a little bit higher, I think, as younger. So maybe he had more responsibility, whereas he had more all-rounders coming into the team, all-round players as in Wokes, Mo and Ali. So he, get, he ended up getting pushed down the order. And I think sometimes it's a bit like, well, I'm batting a number 10. I just bat like a number 10. I think whenever he was challenged or you know, given the responsibility, I always thought he, he, uh, he batted very, very well. So... The thing was, he was as a youngster, he was a batsman. So I think as he stopped practicing in his match, I think, and, and took over bowling, I think his batting wasn't as good as it perhaps could be then. The shots that he played, certainly um, in that, that innings were phenomenal. And early on in his career, I remember him playing a short-term jab, my, my test match, and I was at the non-strike, and I was like, wow, that's a great shot. But then... Um, but then with the bowling, he became an out-and-out bowler with, and being able to swing the bat at the end and I think, what is he, 36, 37? I think at that age, and you're batting at that number, you can bat generally however you want, I think. To just come back to that innings at, at Lords. Um, he played beautifully, mm. didn't he? Uh, what do you remember about yeah. it? Well, I remember coming in, we in a bit of trouble. There was 70-odd 70, 70, 70 for seven. Um, and very different when he exited trying to play a sweep shot. But um, I just kept chatting to him about it. Just so let's build in five. Just not to think too far ahead. Um, let's get just you know, let's get little targets, and he was outscoring me at, 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 and made the job for me very easy. I just knocked it around because obviously, um, they were at the start they wanted to bowl at a perceived lower order batsman, um, and so he just kept whacking them because they kept bringing the field up. So, um, and a, a good attack as well in difficult conditions. Um, so I think it's a world record still. Uh, and something I'm very proud of, and something I think about most days. He's obviously a you know 600 wicket speaks for itself, but I'll remember what a lovely, approachable, friendly guy he's been since day one. You know, like you say, he wrote the forward from a book when I asked him for a kind of referencing. 
that was emailed over within an hour. He invited me to like players lunch on Christmas days when we were touring. He's just, yeah, he's such a nice, natural, friendly guy. And that's what, that, that's what I think. And it's a brilliant thing that he's going to still be involved in cricket and probably in the, well, he's going to be in the sky commentary box, isn't he? For years to come. So that's, that's great that he's going to be around, but yeah, what a, what a great guy. Just to, it was a fairy tale yesterday. I've done this job for decades. For th- it's just a privilege sometimes to be recording these, you know, to be taking pictures on the side of a boundary. And you go, you know, there's no better job in the world. And to try and and get the images that that tell these stories, I love it. When you're at the ground, and I was there on day one and two. When you're taking photos, do you get a sense, and you've been at many exciting games, do you get a sense that there's something special happening or you, you get a feeling around the ground? Because I get that. Obviously, I've, I've been involved and fortunate enough to be involved in a lot of games, but also, you know, important test matches. Um, you get a feeling that something's almost written in the stars, that something's going to happen, or I just knew Stuart was going to get those wickets. That's all what I'm trying to say, is that you just yes. know, and I knew Cookie was going to get 100, and because you're in and around the side so long, did you get that feeling something's going to happen here? I don't know. I don't kind of pre- predict so much what's going to, you know, I didn't think, oh, Stuart's going to take the last two. I'm just kind of concentrating on what's going on and trying not to miss stuff. I, I am kicking myself because I missed, I, Stuart beat the bat, I think it was, and he kind of reacted and, and I don't know, he put his hand up to his foot and I thought, that's a picture. And I relaxed for three seconds and realised I'd missed him switching the bales again. But were you in front of the change room again where I saw you? Uh, yeah, I was in the see. dugout where I saw you. Yeah, Did you pop yeah. down to see me the other day or was it someone else you popped down to see? No, I, actually, I, and I was going to say this. I actually popped down to get a shirt from Mark Saxby, who uh, Stuart Broad actually asked him because he's my daughter's favourite player. So I've actually got a shirt here um, uh, that Stuart signed and I didn't really, didn't know he was retiring and told me. Um, but I'd asked him for a shirt. So Mark Saxby had it. So I popped down and got it from him at tea time. Oh, so he didn't come yeah. down to see me. Oh, I thought you'd made a well, I did. Well, I saw you, so I said hi and I had a run off. I, because I know the one thing I, and I, why I ran off, it, it was in the begin, it was in the middle of an over. And I know you're not supposed to move in the middle of an over, but I had to get a train. Um, so that's why I ran. Okay, I, so I, you there, were, there were people behind me. Just a theory on um, Stuart Broad. Uh, we talk about him going into the skybox. He, he could be a bit better than that, couldn't he? He could become uh, a presenter. I don't know. Um, Rory Dollard was mentioning this in the press box a few days ago. Why can't he become a presenter in the sort of mould of uh, Gary Lineker, Richie Benno, a proper mainstream, uh, really well-known public figure doing a lot more than cricket? Well, He's got a lot going for him as a as a, as a could, presenter. Well, he can do whatever he wants, of course. He could do that. I mean, look at Monty Panesar on the Monty Channel. He does. That. I think he could go even further than that, but who knows? Uh, yeah, we should get Monty on here and talk to him about what he's up to. Anyway, on that, we should we should call it there. It's been a fantastic Ashes series, hasn't it? One of the very best in my experience. Uh, a lot of fun, and and it's been fun to talk to you guys here. So hopefully, in due course, we'll be back. But I think we 
we all need a break and the world needs a break from us no doubt so we'll say thank you very much and uh we'll look forward to seeing you soon this is george Debell with the cricketer podcast the cricketer with george Debell and jonathan trott is a Sportverse production check the cricketer.com for future episodes or wherever you get your podcasts sports social podcast network lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.